It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, that's Steve Diddy NFL on the Twitter box. And it's, I'm very excited. I'm very excited because we've two legends in the house. Um, Peter, we've Peter on again. And Peter is just, Peter, let's come to you first, right? And we keep the other guy in. It's not Aaron Rodgers. Let's just say that. Uh, we keep the other guy in sort of in the corner here with his gimp mask on as such. But Peter, this draft guide, it's gone down stupendously well. It always does every single year. But it, how does it work, Peter? So you, you've spent 18 months doing this draft guide, right? And I wrote a beautiful intro to the draft guide that you wouldn't put in the draft guide because I think you found it was, you're too modest, right? So I'm going to try pepper in my compliments as we go. But the draft guide's amazing. And then it comes out um, and then you get asked to do loads of media work and, and people are peppering you with questions. Are, how tired are you? Is my question. Very tired. Very tired, Steve. <laughs> but if I'm right in saying, Peter, uh, with you being the nicest man alive, uh, you don't want people to leave you alone. This is the part that you really sincerely enjoy. When do you sort of say, I'm going to take time for myself and wind down? Well, I, after I just, the draft. Yeah, really just after. Once, once, the, once, the draft's, once the draft's over and we've taken in what really happened, and I guess probably about a week after the draft, I'll start to wind down a little bit. But yeah, I mean... It's. Uh, I know this this period of time is going to be it's going to be busy, but that's what it's all about. It's a very exciting time, and um, yeah, it's great to chat with you know lots of people on social media and stuff that have different views, mm. and you get to learn stuff. And yeah, no, it's cool, really cool. Right. If anybody can teach Peter Jones anything about the draft, uh, you get a, a lifetime supply of something because there's no way looking at this draft guy because you know what I think takes people by surprise and it takes me by surprise honestly every year is that you know you expect a draft preview and it's just going to knock on loads of players and big boards and stuff like that and there's going to be that difference of opinion there's this beautiful blend if I must say so without being too sycophantic Peter right I'll pull I'll pull my pants up now in a minute uh, but it's that you've all these articles in here you know best player available what the Packers have done in the past you know sort of articles are in there so there's so much extras to this draft guide. It's worth picking up for the sensational price of absolutely free, uh, which is which is quite incredible. But look, it's about time now we um, pull this man into it. This is, again, another Packers draft guru, uh, friend of the podcast, friend of the UK Packers, the quarterback for the UK Packers flag team. And he's been in from, from the ground floor. This is Pooley Shrew. It's Andy Davies. And it's great to have you back, Andy. How are you doing, buddy? Good evening, chaps. Be all well. Good. You're all look Good. after that inter look, Peter. I mean, do we do we kick him off? I mean, you know, you give him this lovely intro. He's so goddamn cool coming in. It's it's the ex-professional <laughs> football player in him. You know what I mean? He's used to being asked for autographs. Andy, I want to hit you with a really hard question from the beginning, if I may. Yeah, that's cool. I'll just come out the dark one second. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, take the gimp mask off. Andy, um, we haven't had John for a while, right? Um, and again, like Peter, your fandom goes back a long way. Your analytical history goes back a long way because you two guys have that very much in common is that you're a fan, but you're also able to detach yourself from the pure cheesehead wear and fandom and get into the analytics of it all. So, Andy, I can't let you go any further here without sort of approaching, and it's not so much the elephant in the room because it's all anybody's been talking about up to now. 
Aaron Rodgers, what has went on with Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Rodgers' legacy and the future of how he will be seen. Is there any way that you could package up your feeling about the man uh, without us devoting the whole podcast to it? Um, how do you feel about the whole thing and how it all went down? Yeah, it's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? I think like every year, like Peter does, I suppose, in many ways, every year is two seasons. You know, one season is the is the on season and we go through the emotional roller coaster that is the Green Bay Packers. And then the off season is the time where we do all the analytics and guys like Peter and myself, Peter clearly far more in depth than anybody else in the world. But we, we like to look at the draft and, and get into that side of the season. And I think that 2010 was obviously the high point. You know, the game, the NFC Championship game for me against Atlanta was... The, the best I've ever seen any one quarterback, um, a Green Bay Packers team for 60 minutes. I just thought that was a, a, a virtuoso performance. Um, I thought he was fantastic in the Super Bowl. But from that moment onwards, I don't think he's reached those levels for me. Um, and I think it's it's at the biggest moments that I expect the biggest players to make the biggest plays. Um, and too many times, I think that that, for me, is the defining difference between a legacy of Tom Brady ilk um, and what Aaron Rodgers has done um, and you can point towards a million and one different things Bakhtiari getting injured not having a wide receiver a lack of a running game a fumble here or a play there I, I get all that I take it all on board but you still pay those players the big bucks to overcome them barriers and hurdles and obstacles and I don't think he's delivered um, and we can throw all the smoke and mirrors in the air that you want to do is he a legend yes absolutely is he a packer all-time great absolutely is he the number one mm, I'm not sure and I know Peter has an opinion on that as well but um, I, I, I don't know he's a he's a quirky character isn't he I'm sure there's other adjectives out there that you could throw out there um, <laughs> he's, he's individual I can see why people um you know, maybe he's not the most popular Green Bay Packer to ever put on a uniform, but uh, he divides opinion. Um, I, I get all that side of it, but yeah, it's a, it's a strange one. I think it's probably two years too late for me. I think we should have gone down a different direction, um, but, but we are where we are, aren't we? And uh, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks, I guess. Yeah, and it's certainly something, Pete, that I want to pick your mind about because every time you come into the draft, because again, right, and I'm just letting my pants slip just a little bit, right? When we look at this draft guide, it's very Packers focused. It's not, you know, you're listing your big board where the players fall in their skill type and then you're talking about what players that the Packers might potentially go for. And like what Andy says, I mean, Goody sort of got seemingly stuck in this time warp of let's try run it back again, let's try run it back again. And I do believe that there was some sort of an instance where, you know, inexplicably so, I thought, I think the Packers might try to run it back again. And I'm not I'm not actually convinced that they're, because there's no trade for Aaron Rodgers, and I know, Pete, you have sort of a theory on when this all might go down. But let's look at Gutekunst then. I mean, he's been drafting a team arguably for Aaron Rodgers, although there's parts that people wanted to add, didn't want to add, and all that. And there's loads of sort of debate around that type of stuff, but... I mean, if you were to look back, Pete, I guess, A, was he drafting for Aaron Rodgers and to run it back? Because that's what it seemed like. Um, or, and how does that strategy with Gutekunst now change? So when you approach this draft preview and this draft guide that you did, all 307 pages of it, do you have a good picture in your head to what the hell Gutekunst is looking for in this draft now that Jordan Love is quarterback number one, you know, God willing? Um, actually, no, I don't. And the reason I say that is I think that you could look at where the Packers pick at, at 15, assuming no trades, and you look at potential positions of needs for the Packers. 
And you could say this really is a draft where the Packers could pick just about any position, you know, at, at pick at pick 15, you know, barring one or two, um, but just about any position at pick 15. And it's a position that can immediately help the team. And and that kind of says like, well, the team must have lots of holes. It's got a few holes. It doesn't have lots and lots of them. But but but, you know, every position you could make a case for almost taking that pick at 15. Um, and so I think that this this draft is probably more difficult to try and guess if that's the right word, try and assess who or what position the Packers might take at 15. Yeah. I would solidly concur with that, Steve, as well. I think if we sit back and sort of rewind the tape, and I'm sure you've probably got it, Steve, somewhere, the draft podcast that we talked about um, pre-Jordan Love, I think we were all, the consensus of opinion was we all thought the Packers would potentially take Jordan Love. Um, yeah. I think we all agreed on that, didn't we? I was my number one QB, and yeah. I, I understood that. I just think he's taken us to the brink, but when it really came to the crunch, a bit like Aaron Rodgers in the game time, mm. I think Gooty's missed a trick. I think he's taken us to the edge and he's done some really good things. But to be a great GM, you have to make that extra push and that extra move uh, and whatever it takes to get you over the hump. And I just don't think he's done that. Um, that that's my take on it. And I could throw you a, you know, three or four key examples of that. And um, that that's I, my view on it. I th- yeah, I, th- I think I think it's absolutely right. And I, I, I think I think he's found himself in a difficult position. You know, when the, when they when they took Jordan Love, there was clearly a plan. Whether people agreed with the plan or not, there was clearly yeah. a plan at that point that Jordan Love was going to be the successor in probably two years' time, ish. You know, from that 2020 draft. I don't think what they counted on was Aaron Rodgers then coming back and having an MVP year followed by another MVP year, because I think that then that Gucci and and the front office then found themselves sitting on the fence, not sure in, not sure which way they were going. But while they were sitting on the fence, that's when they should have reacted. We can all argue about whether yep. taking Jordan Love at that point. I agree. You know, I don't think they yep. expected Rodgers to have those two MVP seasons. But then once they recognised that he was in that streak of form, there was an opportunity there to add to the mix. And we didn't. He, he didn't do it, did he? That that's ultimately it, isn't it? You know, and it's we were three. You know, missed third down opportunities, fourth down opportunities away from the Super Bowl, and that's the difference, isn't it? That is the difference. Yeah, I agree with you. It's yeah. almost like he brought us to a point and then he froze. Yeah. And he was like, oh, well, if we yeah. just leave it, it, it probably will be fine. And we saw what happened. We were close, but not close at all as well. You know, Aaron Rodgers dipped in performance. Um, and funnily enough, actually, um, and I've, we have a podcast lined up a little bit further down the line to re-examine the season that it went and to sort of assess where it went wrong. Because an awful lot of that blame was also pointed at Barry's defence. Um, and Stephen Sparks actually uh, was sending me a couple of messages just he re-examined the season and was sort of going in and going do you know what I don't think the whole Joe Barry thing is as a big deal as people thought it was and he's written it all down so that's something that maybe we can we can delve into but one thing Peter that you have in your draft guide is how good he is unpredictable anyway you know his first draft he was trading down trading back up again and Andy if I can throw this to you first when you look at the positions of need that we have, because I can see even at tight end, for instance, when we talk about Myers and, you know, the Packers could potentially get the number one tight end in the draft, but they also have many other needs. Does this constitute a kind of draft for you, Andy, where we've, you know, as you've spoken about, there's different area of needs that we could trade up or trade down and still get the player that we want? Or do we do you see us sticking where we are, discounting the fact of any sort of, 
last minute trade for Aaron Rodgers, which is not supposed to give a first round draft pick anyway. But ignoring all of that, Andy, is there a reason that you think the Packers should stay put or move around? Um, I don't think we can discount the, the Rodgers deal, can we? Though that's the problem. I think we all want, whether it's two second round picks or a second and a third or next year or whatever the, mm. the combination is, it will have an influence on where we on where we pick, I think, to be honest. Um, you're right, and Pete has already alluded to it. We could basically strengthen in all areas, couldn't we? So for, for me, we are. That's how exposed the roster is right now. So um, I see a stay in put at the minute. I don't see any reason not to. I'd, um, I think we'll double dip at tight end but I don't think it'll be in the first round. I'd really be surprised. We may try and get back into the, the back end of the first to try and pick up one of the more premium tight ends. But yeah, I, you could throw your hat into the ring. I think it'll be a premium position this year. Um, and if Rogers does go, then he may just play that wide receiver card just to throw in a bit of irony in there. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> I really want to see that. That would be great. Um, but um yeah, I, I want to see all the pieces fall into place before we decide whether or not we're going to start moving and shaking up and down the draft. And he's he's already proven he's he's very unpredictable, isn't he? Um, and we'll all turn the TVs off when he gets to round three because it's always a car crash. So um, <laughs> yeah. we'll slip nicely onto round four. NSFW not suitable for work. Peter Jones. In fact, she just changed his yeah. third round pick away, shouldn't he? For a multitude <laughs> of fours and fives. <laughs> yeah. Get your value chart out and find out what it is. Or just ask the Jets to make the pick for us because they're usually quite good. Um, say, look, we'll take your third round pick but can you do it for us yeah <laughs> peter on that then right so the same question to you do you see moving up and down and let's throw in that bit of spice thing because Andy says look we can't discount it do you feel that the rogers trade will come before the draft because there is that deadline isn't there of the first of june and people are like no nah, i don't know you know rogers allegedly is after coming out and saying don't do anything um until <laughs> this time i'm not coming in may anyway i mean do you give any credence to that or how do you see it playing out um yeah i i i, I I, I think that it, it's possible that there are scenarios already agreed here mm. and and that the trade may happen during the first round of the draft, depending on how the board starts to fall. Yeah. So, you know, th there may be an agreement around which picks are involved and there may be a couple of scenarios. And if this happens, then the trade is this. And if that happens, the trade is that. Alternatively, like you say, it may not happen at all. Uh, I think I think from a Packers perspective... Um, Andy touched on this is if they get extra collateral in, you know, an extra second rounder plus an extra third rounder or a second, you know, whatever, um, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they then use that to move up in the first round, but for a specific player. And for, and for me, uh, I, I will start on the players. There's only one player that they would do that for, and that's the wide receiver out of Ohio State, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Right. Because, um, you could you could almost predict the top ten or eleven players in this draft. You might not be able to predict the order, but you can pretty much take the top eleven and say they are going to be gone by the time the Packers pick. And Smith and Jig was right on the outside edge of that for me. And if the Packers have decided I want the premium wide receiver in this draft, and there are question marks about him, there are injury question marks about him, um, but if they if that's the guy they decide they want, and as the board starts to drop, I would not be surprised to see them move up just a few slots, four or five, maybe not even as many as that to get him. But it, but but alternatively, sitting on the fence here, I wouldn't be surprised to see them just stand where they are, and I'll take the best player available at the position I want at, at 15. I can see both of those playing out. 
I agree with all that, Peter. And just just one thing, I was told by a source, a, a big source, on Saturday night that the deal is in place. That's what I was told on Saturday. Yeah. Um, Any details so that, on that, that Andy? Of, the deal is in place as in it would be... As in it's agreed in principle, yeah. So I don't know what why the, the delay is, but that's... I have no reason to disbelieve or believe the source, but yeah, that's what I was told. Oh, so. I heard it here first. Do you know what, lads? We, the way we do it, and to sort of remind people what we're doing here today, tonight, is that we're going to run through the offense first, and then next week we're going to go through defense, and then about two days after that, which is the day before the draft, we're going to hoover up special teams, because obviously it's the most important uh, section, <laughs> and then also talk about, you know, sort of final thoughts that we have, because look, the, the Rogers deal might be done by then, it might not be done by then, there might be more rumblings that come out um, also players might get injured you know players might get a video release of him sort of necking a bong because that usually happens every year um, or whatever so is, is a, do bongs <laughs> get necked I don't know uh, but it's a good place to, to start I guess uh, because we're going to be talking about the positions now usually we go through based on the draft guide uh, which is we talk about quarterbacks first but let's stick on, on wide receivers there then so Andy Peter mentioned sort of the, the player that they might trade up for Wide receivers always is sort of a big buzz topic when it comes to the Packers and who they're going to draft. So I guess two questions, really. Who's on your radar that is a Packers player? Um, and if we can sort of tack onto that like I always do, who's a wide receiver that you sort of say, this guy has star potential? Um, and then are the Packers going to go down that road with Jordan Love? Does that match the strategy that they need to be going for this year? Yeah, star potential. I think Peter's already referenced the guy who's got star potential. So he would be my preference, as he would be many people, I guess. Um, I think in terms of types, there's a lot of smaller receivers in the draft this year, none of which fit the Packers mould, do they, Peter? I don't I don't think. So that sort of really sort of points me in the direction of several other guys that, that would be more Packer-esque in terms of their stature, um, particularly with the departure of Lazard. I think that they're going to be looking to strengthen that room significantly not over from a numbers perspective but also from a, a physical standpoint mm. um I, I do think that some of the the receivers they've already got in the room could potentially be useful from the slot so they have no need to to look at that area specifically i don't think so guys i was sort of drawn towards really were guys that you potentially could be picking up on day two really um and i know that peter likes the same kind of guys that i do you've got um Jonathan Mingo from from Ole Miss. I think he's a potential. Um, Rasheed Rice from SMU. Um, I think he's um, definitely a, a Packers ready-made receiver. Cedric Tillman, although he's got his drops problems, I think he's a, he's a maybe in my world. And then you sort of, I started to fall off then in terms of where I had them ranked. But people like sort of Michael Wilson from Stanford, yep. uh, A.T. Perry from Wake Forest. Um, that was my, and then the sort of wild cards. I had two wild cards at the bottom, which was the guy from Nebraska, Trey Palmer, and the guy from Virginia, which was Dontavian Wicks. So that's probably my long short list um, of people. The other one to mention, because I can't pronounce his name, is a guy from Princeton, uh, Peter. Um, Andre, I'd call him. Andre the Giant. Um, A giant of a Raz score. um, But I I thought he was intriguing to me from from a size perspective. Yeah, he really he really is, and I, I can't pronounce his name properly either. Every time I say it, it's, di- it's different. Andre <laughs> I, Andre Iasavas of, yeah. of Princeton, and and yeah, it, he he absolutely fits that mould that you just talked about. Big guy, very athletic. This is a guy that did the decathlon and 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 all kinds of you know athletic stuff in 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 school, but he played at Princeton. 
you know, which is not one of the major football schools by any stretch of the imagination in this century. It was in the late 1800s and early 1900s, but not now. But it, but it's certainly a guy that when you get to around six and seven, five, six, seven, if they, if, you know, if you spend a pick on that kind of guy, that's a really, that's a really nice, nice pick. Um, but yeah, I mean, just jumping back up to the top, I think the thing with, with, with Jackson Smith and Jigba and, I think people's concern is that he was injured for most of this season just gone, um, which is always a concern. But you have to trust, you know, the medical staff that they know what they're doing in that in that situation. They're not going to pick a guy that they think is is, you know, permanently hurt. So 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 if they go down that route, you have to trust that. And I think the thing with him is you have to go back and look at his 2021 season, and you look at the receivers Ohio State had, which were Chris Olave, Garrett Williams. And Jackson Smith and Jigba. So the first two of those were first round picks last year. Garrett Williams, Garrett Wilson rather, went on to be, you know, offensive rookie of the year last year. Um, Alave, you know, everybody loved last year. Jackson Smith and Jigba was the leading receiver on that team wow. in 2021, mm. head of those two guys. Um, that's how good he could potentially be. Now, you know, there's flaws in all of these guys. You know, there always is this, you know, he's not a guy that's going to run 4-3 and, and stretch the field play after play. He's not that kind of guy, but he is a guy that has the potential to be a, you know, 90 catch, 1200 yard receiver. And Peter, is he, so, who is he comparable to that people can look at the NFL now? You know, because there's always the Calvin Johnsons and all that kind of jazz. I mean, who is this, who is this guy? Because he's a tall guy. Was he 6-5 or something ridiculous? Or is that, so no, no, no. No, so he's, he's about six foot one and a half. The the guy who the guy that that he reminds me of is Cooper Cup. Oh well, I just about to say, sign Cooper him up. Cup, yeah, <laughs> sign him up. What are we doing? I know him. Yeah, and I think and I think interestingly as well, the the fellow player testimonies about him are a hundred percent. This guy is a real deal, which is always interesting to me because you don't always get that. And I think as as Peter alluded to there, the likes of Olavi. You know, people that he's played with and he's compared favorably to them by fellow players is important. I think that's yeah. a real indicator of how good he could be or is. Yeah. yeah. What do the Packers need to do to get this guy? Is this a guy that you would have to trade up to get? I, I think probably. So, you know, like yeah, I said, I, I, I think, I think, yeah, I, I think the top nine or 10 are probably set. You know, you can't necessarily say which of them are going to which teams, but roughly speaking, the top 10 are probably set. So, so he's right in that 11, 12 area, probably, mm. you know, unless a team jumps at, you know, that absolutely loves him and jumps up and takes him and that happens, it happens. But, but he's probably going 11, 12, 13 ish, just depending on, on the teams at that point. So you've probably got to get up two or three or four spots to get him. Yeah, and again, looking at some of the teams as well that the experts are sort of bantied around because you have another brilliant thing in your draft guide, Pete, where you're looking at different people's mock drafts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but again, from what I was hearing in the latest sort of roundup of, of draft podcast today was that the cards might be rumoured to be trading down. We've got the Lions trading down, the Raiders trading down. So <laughs> Everybody's trading everybody's down. Trading right? down so, so. so nobody, nobody's picking in the first round. Right? <laughs> nobody's picking in the first, just the Packers. Uh, so that's the thing. I mean, there, there should be plenty of trading partners because I believe, you know, when, anytime it comes to wide receiver capital or running backs or someone like that, when we see the NFC North and we've always been in that position almost where we were the last NFC North team to pick or at least second last. So anytime we went to sort of trade up, they would tell us where to go um, and then they'd sort of nab the wide receiver that we were looking for. 
Um, with the injury concerns to Njigba, do you think would that scare away the Packers? And if so, or if not, or if he's going to be gone, what are the other names, Pete, that are on your hit list then? And again, if people want to know about it, they're in the beautiful green on your draft guide. But just as a sort of a, a recap, who else would the Packers be looking at at wide receiver? And can you sort of add that on, Pete, as well, to who we have in the wide receiver room? You know, the Romeo Dobbs and the Christian Watsons. And just how much you think is it even necessary for us to delve too deeply into wide receiver? So, so, so for me, I think I think wide receiver is an important position for the Packers to pick. I think you have to have in this day and age, you have to have at least three of those guys who are don't necessarily need to be a one premium players, but they've got to be you know aiming to aiming towards that. And and the Packers, you know, they have Christian Watson, they have Romeo Dubs, who hopefully both are going to be better than they were last year, and they were both you know, decent last year and Watson as the season went on, got better and better. Um, but I think you have to have three. And I think it's that, it's that third guy that they're, that they're lacking. So that, that's why for me, if you can get that premium wide receiver, then, then you, then, then you do it. Um, I, I guess the next best wide receiver, the next best probably for the Packers is, is, is Jordan Addison. Um, of USC in the first round, um, but I wouldn't be picking him at 15. So that's the guy that the further, you know, towards the the middle bottom end of of, of the round. Not a dissimilar player actually to to um, Smith and Jigba. Yeah. But for me, if I can't get Smith and Jigba, then I'm I'm probably I'm going a different route in the first round and coming back to the guys in the second and third round. Particularly, you know, Andy mentioned Cedric Tillman. I like Tillman a lot. Again, not a speed guy, um, but a big physical receiver who gets open. Has some has some drop problems at times, but I like him. Guy out of um, out of Tennessee. Um, so I'd be looking kind of in the second, third round if I can't get the one guy that I want in the in the in the first round because there'll be guys at other positions that are a better. Um, you know, a lot closer to the best player available at 15 than some of these other wide receivers would be. Yeah, because it's sort of, and you mentioned it earlier, Andy, just about Alan Lazar, just how good he was at being that blocking wide receiver. He had the football smarts, he had the size, you know, he got penalised and then rescinded for, you know, knocking three guys down at once and counting them. Um, so let's move along then, if we can, to tight ends and feel free, lads, to, to double back. So when it comes to tight ends, Andy, I mean, are we looking at tight end in the first round, do you think? Because I think the six foot five player I had in my head was Myers. Um, you know, is this the, do we go, you know, first round skill position tight end? Uh, are we looking for a guy to kind of step in on the O-line and shore that up as well now with Lazard gone? Are we worried about that? Where is your head at with this tight end class in this draft? <laughs> Am I worried about it? I've been worried about tight end for 10 years. Um, <laughs> Pete, Peter will remember the last time we drafted a wide receiver in round one was it was Bubba Franks. Is that Bubba correct? Franks. Yep, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if you draft Michael May, you're going to get a Bubba Franks. That's what I see. Um uh, people may see differently, but it's not for me. Um, there's probably, I would draft a minimum of two tight ends in this draft. Absolutely. Cause I think it's a really good crop. Um, and I would have no hesitation in throwing two rookies into our current mix. Um, um, I'd even go three, uh, to be honest, there's, there's a couple down the bottom end that I would also be particularly interested in. So it would be a no on mayor uh, for me. Um, 
but I would be really interested in Darnell Washington. He would be my number one. Um, I think Zach Kuntz out of Old Dominion would be up there. I think uh, there's a couple of, you know, Sam Laporte, a more receiving type, um, took a craft from South Dakota State. Um, the guy from Michigan, Shoemaker, he, just yep. for the name, um, it would be <laughs> intriguing. Um, Musgrave, again, divides opinion, but there's you can already see there's four or five, six names there that are um, really, in, you know, um, exciting prospects for me and would instantly upgrade our tight end room. I, I think we have to go early, but I'm just not convinced at 15 in round one is is a place we should be looking at tight ends. The, the back end, which is where we come in with the potential, you know, extra picks and I'd maybe looking to dip in for the end of round one. Maybe they'll start around two for for a Washington or a Musgrave or a, somebody like that. But yeah, not not for me, Mayor at 15, absolutely not. Mm. Peter, tight end. I mean, is this a good crop this year? Is it particularly deep compared to other years? Yeah, it it, it is, and it's it's deep at the top. If that make if that makes sense, yeah. without there being. Um, so I I always show my age right and say there's no Kellen Winslow in this draft. And when I talk about that, I'm talking about Kellen Winslow Senior, <laughs> right? The guy that played the guy that played for the Chargers, not his son, but also a since played yeah. in the NFL. Um, but. And what I mean by that is there isn't one that just leaps off the board at you and says, you absolutely have to take this guy. Mm. He's not, there's what, no what Jay there Sternberger, are, if you will. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what, the, what there are is, you know, six, maybe seven guys that will go in the first three rounds. So, so there's, so there's, you know, that, that heavy bunch of guys there. And, you know, with the names that Andy's just talked about, what you've got is different guys as well. So it might be a case of, you know, what's the type that you're looking for? So, you know, Michael May, you've got a guy who's a solid all-round tight end, but he's not going to stretch the field deep. And you kind of, he kind of, he's one of those guys that is kind of is what he is type of tight end. And, 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 and Bubba Franks is not a bad comparison if you look at the kind of numbers around what Bubba Franks gave you. Um, so what you've got is a solid blocker and a solid receiver, but he's not going to blow you away. Right? So, so Michael Mayer doesn't look like the second coming of Travis Kelsey, for example. Yeah. If that's what if that's what you're looking for at that at that spot, and you take the next guy on the board, Dalton Kincaid, not as good a blocker as Mayer, but a lot better receiver. Now Kincaid's got a huge upside, but he's only played the position for a couple of years. Yeah. So, you know, he he's a guy that's tested well at the tested well at the combine. Is a guy that's on the rise. But again, you know, there's there's nothing in in what you've seen so far that says he's the next Callum Winslow. Um, and then you've got Darnell Washington, who's kind of the wild card in this group. Um, with you know, he's six foot seven, two hundred, nearly two hundred and seventy pounds. He's almost an offensive tackle size. Um, and was the number two tight end at Georgia behind Brock Bowers, who's going to probably be a first round pick next year, which is why Washington has kind of been rising up boards recently. You know, he's kind of been hiding in the shadows, if you like, if a six foot seven guy can <laughs> hide in the shadow um, of, of, of Brock Bowers. But he tested fantastically at the combine yeah. and was and was really good in, in, you know, in the workout stuff as well. There's great video of a one handed catch that he makes on the sideline. For a six foot seven guy, it was incredible. Um, 
But again, you know, you look at somebody like Washington and you say, would I spend pick 15 on him? The answer for me is no. Would I, would I spend pick 30 on him? I know the Packers aren't picking at 30. The answer is yes. Um, so, so he falls right in between that kind of, between the Packers' two picks, if you like. So he's a guy that if he fell to 45 where the Packers picking around, so, you know, you run that card up as quickly as you can because you take that guy. Um, but as Andy said, he's also a guy that you probably would be prepared to trade up a few spots to get at the back end of the of the first round or the or the beginning of the second round. Because a guy at that kind of size, with that kind of talent, you know, it's a guy that six foot seven, like I say, nearly two hundred and seventy pounds, running the forty in four six four. He's an athlete as well. If you can be an athlete at that size, yeah. Um, you know, and you can keep looking down this tight end group and you've got guys that are decent receivers um luke musgrave andy mentioned is, is a really nice receiver but not as strong blockers you've got sam laporta again that andy mentioned so all of those names i think are i think are in play early you know in round one two or three i think the packers will pick a tight end in that area but it could be any of those guys um just depending on how they value them um andy picked out the guy from Old Dominion, Zach Kuntz, again, six foot seven, nearly six foot eight. Um, you know, he's a middle to late round pick, but he's the type of guy that you'd absolutely throw one of those picks at and say, absolutely, I'd take a chance on that guy. You know, it's not played at the biggest football school in, in, in Old Dominion. So that's a, a little bit of a question mark, but you'd absolutely throw a pick at that kind of guy because the upside is huge. And crucially, Peter, he's called Zach, and we'll come on to that in a bit. <laughs> yeah, you've sort of a you've a biblical theory, though, Jandy, when it comes to us drafting, and uh, you've got a bingo card too with the name Zach on it. Uh, before we get to Mingos and Ringos and all that sort of jazz. Yeah. Uh, but look, lads, when we're talking about Jordan Love, and we always see because uh, you know Reggie says on the radio, he says, well, like, what's so hard about it? you know with this quarterback game, and here's a professional rugby player. He's like, what's so difficult? Why do they make it so difficult? And for looking at the Packers sometimes, and when we saw we struggled during the season, I was like, I, you know, because he's like, this guy's the goat, isn't he? He's meant to be the best. So why why does he find stuff so hard? And you're kind of thinking, I don't know, because like what you sort of alluded to, Andy, at the beginning of the podcast was, is that you look at the star players, um, you know, for the Bengals, you look at the Chiefs and their quarterbacks leading the way and just making it look easy. And it's anything but easy, really, but to make it look that way. You're kind of thinking, it can be, though. And you look at Brock Purdy and his success story, and you're thinking, I can't explain it now. So tight end is always one of those positions, and the, some of the sizes you threw out there, Peter, are just massive. Is this the premium position that the Packers try go for, just with Jordan Love in mind to say, get this guy who's six foot eight? park him in the middle of the field, which is typically dangerous anyway, and just get him to come down with the ball in sort of a clumsy Gronk style way? Or is that too simplistic of an analysis for it? I'm nodding away. I mean, in agreement, I'm nodding, just thinking you're right. You're absolutely right. My, what am I? Well, probably the most enjoyable time watching the Packers offense in my lifetime watching the Packers was when we had a tight end, Jura, Shimura and Jackson. Two very different tight ends. You know, Jackson's blocking was what average at best, Peter, I would suggest. Yeah. Um, and Shimura was more of your stand-up guy who could, who could, you know, support the running game. But in tandem, they were almost, you know, they couldn't be defended, could they? You know, one would come underneath, one would go deep and they would stretch the field um, and, and they could just pick your poison, really. And um, I think there's an opportunity there to sort of um, 
as Peter described, there's there's various different styles of tight end there, and uh, pick your flavour and go for it. I think there's a real opportunity there to add some size, some height, and some durability, really. Yeah, and I think you know, I I think you have to make plays in the middle of the field to open up the outsides to you know for your for your Watsons and Dubs and those guys, and whether that's yeah. a whether that's having an A1 slot receiver or or a tight end that does that for you, um, you know, and it's ultra nice if that tight end can can <laughs> stretch the field can stretch the field down the seam as well, um, which the Packers you know which the Packers haven't had because you know you you've got to take defenders you've got to take the safeties away from doubling up your wide receivers all the time. You can't get to the situation where if I double the top wide receiver, I'm taking away the passing offense. Mm. You cannot get into that situation. And Look at the way Detroit defended us in the last game of the season. They just completely ignored the middle of the field, the Green Bay, didn't they? And Detroit knew it. And they doubled up on the outside and were able to pick Rodgers off uh, easily, weren't they? And it's just, I think for too long, we've ignored the middle of the field offensively, haven't we? And it's yeah. um, it's it's a hole we have to fill if we want to be successful going forward. Yeah, I was just about to say, Andy, I mean, it's one of those things that if you look at Rodgers early in his career, and I don't know whether it's naivety or whatever, um, and you, you get quarterbacks who get burned in the middle of the field, and then all of a sudden, particularly Rodgers, who just wouldn't touch it. Um, you know, yeah. and then they were bringing Jimmy Graham and they thought that that might change. It didn't. Um, so, you know, you look at that type of stuff. But a really intriguing one for me in this draft is running back because, again, and I, I think, Andy, it was pre-prod that you were sort of discussing it, right? Um, was that when you look at running back and you look at Aaron Jones and you look at AJ Dillon and you sort of go, ah, like it's like it's up there with quarterback, just don't touch it. If you have to just dip in at the very later rounds. And before we sort of set Andy off with his super favorite player, and you might hit on him as well, Peter, let's kick the running backs to you first. Uh, running back, does it make sense for the Packers, Peter, uh, in this draft? And what is the depth like at running back? And who are the players that stand out for you in this draft? Or are we right in saying, you know what, let's just leave it. Let's just get some undrafted guys. Let's dip in if we have to in the later rounds. This running back group is a good group of running backs in this draft. There's no question about it in, in in my mind. Now, in this day and age, if you get one running back picked in the first round, that's the kind of usual kind of kind of number, right? But as you go further down this draft, there are I think it's a it's a pretty deep group of of running backs. Right. And so there's nobody up near the top of the draft, and we'll, you know, I know we're going to come back to our favourite player, we're to, but there's nobody up near the top of the draft that's on my Packers watch list, and there's nobody on that list because I don't think the Packers will go there because they've got Aaron Jones and, and they've got AJ Dillon, right? So, so I think in the minds of the front office, whether we agree or disagree, I think in the minds of the front office, they're set at that position. Yeah. Um, now, I think obviously the third running back position is up for grabs, whether that's the returning, you know, Patrick Taylor or whether it's a guy that they draft. I think that's absolutely up up for grabs. And I think there's a whole bunch of guys from about round three onwards that we could. That we could talk about, um, but we should mention him now, my favorite player, and I think Handy's favorite player as well, judging from the way we talked to him in in. Um, you know, pre-pod is Bijan Robinson out of Texas. I can hear Andy's uh, I, belt um, buckle undo as you say <laughs> that name, by the way. But carry on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, and he's just a a dominant 
running back that can pretty much do it, do it all. Um, not overly used as a receiver, but put that to to one side because you know he he, he didn't need to be. He is a dominant running back. Is the best running back in this draft, in my view, is the best bet to be offensive rookie of the year in the NFL in 2023. And the reason I say that is partly because the team that picks him in the first round is picking him to play him. Right. So he's going to get a lot of carries from whichever team picks him. And in a year where you were looking for a running back, or maybe you have one, but you were looking for the, the next running back on your roster, I would happily take him at 15. And, and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll actually be honest with you, if the Packers took him at 15, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset about it. They won't go. They won't go that route, right? Which is, like I say, which is why he's not on my watch list. They're not going to go that route. But he's a, but he's a really good football player. I think we should pause there and get, let Andy loose on Bijan Robinson. Andy, let me put this to you, right? And we can edit out the long pause of satisfaction. But if you look at the likes of Bijan Robinson, um, unlike Peter alluded to him, if this guy's just the best player available, he's a he's an absolute knockout of a player. He instantly upgrades your offense, even though you have Aaron Jones in there, who's took the pay cut and all that sort of jazz. Um, is he your guilty pleasure player, if, if for want of a better phrase, of that, like, look, he's just outstanding, he stands out to you, you just really, really like him? Or do you think in a in the real world that they should go after a player like that? Because, like you just spoke about the two tight ends um, with Chamora, is that, like, if you got him, well, then it's, it's like, how do you protect against that? Exactly all that. Peter's, you know, he's encapsulated everything that I think about the B. John Robinson situation. He's a special player. He'll be a special player in the NFL. He'll be a player that gets bums off seats, excited. Um, it'd be difficult to defend. If you had him in the backfield with Aaron Jones, I'd argue that it would be impossible to defend. You know, uh, added to that, uh, A.J. Dillon's in a contract year. Um you know, all NFL teams need at least three backs. Uh, yeah, best player available. Tick, 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 tick. Will he be there at 15? Probably. Um, so, yeah. Um, and then you've got the disappointing fact that, you know, um, we love Debo Samuel. We love Justin Jefferson. We love B. John Robinson. It's not happening. So there we go. We can move on. <laughs> science. Uh, yeah. yeah, science. It's all about that. And anyway, we've got we've got someone called Zach further down the chart. So again, we'll, we'll be fine. <laughs> Cross off the bingo card. Uh, come here, Peter, <laughs> then. So we've talked about Bijan Robinson. Uh, Andy's convinced because, it, you know, this is a player that could transfer from the offense so it ain't happening. <laughs> Put him in the Justin Jefferson pile. Uh, so who else are we looking at, Peter, realistically then, uh, for a Packers point of view? And is it hard, Peter, though? Because as you just said, I mean, if, they, if you don't expect the Packers to even go this route, are we talking like fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh rounds? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think that's the place you start looking. Maybe third round, but but yeah, you, you kind of fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round. The the first guy that jumps out to me is a guy by the name of Roshon Johnson. And part of the reason he he, he jumps out to me, he was Bijan Robinson's backup at Texas. Yeah, and he's not a dissimilar type back. So you know he he didn't obviously didn't get all the carries that 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 Robinson got, but averaged five point six yards a carry over his career at a high level of of football. Uh, was a decent receiver out of the backfield and a guy in the kind of third, fourth, fifth round area was is is absolutely, you know, good value. He's not a speed back by any stretch of the imagination, but I like I like him a lot. 
the, the other guy I really like is another guy the Packers won't take, <laughs> um, which is really useful for this for this podcast. Oh, yeah. isn't it? But but um, it's a guy by the name of, of Deuce Vaughn out of Kansas State. And the reason the Packers won't take him is he's five foot five. Right, so, he's, so he's about the smallest guy you've seen on the foot on the football field. I don't know, he sounds very tall. But he sounds very tall. I'm just you guessing. love these small guys, Peter, don't you? you every year you come to the small guy, and this is this um, year's version, isn't it? Um, but but for the team that does take it, it's about using him in the right way, right? So you can use him on jet sweeps, you can use him on returns. What what you have to do is it's one of those guys you have to get the ball in his hands, and he'll make plays. He's dynamic. He's exciting. And what's really interesting for a guy that's five foot five makes a heck of a lot of yards between running between the tackles. And that's because he finds the hole really quickly. So you don't have to open huge chasms for the horn. To, to, it's a very small hole. To, yeah. yeah, indeed. You know, he, he, he um, yeah, just one of those really, really exciting football players that's going to turn up somewhere as somebody's, you know, third running back. And he's going to be a highlight reel type guy. You're going to see him on, on red zone and whatever turn up every, every, every now and again. Um, the, the other guy that, that kind of comes to my mind, and it's more because he's a, he's an excellent receiver is Kenny McIntosh out of Georgia. Right. So again, he's not a fast back, but he's a super receiver coming out of the backfield. And often when you think about your, your third running back, you're thinking about a guy that you might put in there on third down. And I think McIntosh could be that guy. But again, he's in that fourth, fifth kind of fourth, fifth round kind of area. And Andy, my mind melts when you start talking about running backs, because I I believe, and correct <laughs> me if I'm wrong, right? But so many years in a row that I can't even mention now is that you'd say, lads, look out for Jameel <laughs> McLaughlin, you know, and then all of a sudden be this guy and we were like, Andy, you're talking at the at back of your neck. And then all of a sudden they would draft exactly that. I believe you picked Jamal Williams. Uh, who did you pick? Was it Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones back in the yeah. day? Yeah, Jamal Williams, definitely. Uh, uh, I think uh, I think it was, um, we drafted three, didn't we, one year? Ty Montgomery and I think was another the... one I think you probably picked out. Was he running back at the yeah. time or was he a rider? I can't remember what he was. No, he was a receiver. No, it was, it was before that, wasn't it? And I think we had somebody from New England, didn't we, at running back position. And I said to you that he would get released. And I think he got released the next day. I think I think yeah, yeah. Ted must have been listening to the pod, wasn't he? And obviously picked up on that. And we went, who was it? I can't even think who it was now. But you're right, yeah. Lady's name. Wasn't with... it New England? Wasn't that a lady's name? And he was slapping arse with the lads on it the was. side, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's, you're absolutely right. I'll look it up in a minute. I'll look it up Melissa, in a minute. Melissa, the running back. But come on, Andy, give us, give us a bit of your sprinkle of magic here. Is there anybody that is yeah. sets your spidey sense thing in here with running backs? Yeah, so let's... <clears throat> the loving with B. John Robinson is real. I think <laughs> the next one down the food chain would be our boy Zach, uh, the guy from UCLA. I think he fits... Uh, he fits the bill for the Zach reason, but also he's got he's got ability. <clears throat> uh, Roshan Johnson, I agree. I think he's a, a real. I think he's a. I've seen some interesting comparisons. He reminds me of James Starks. He's not going to burn yeah. you, but but in terms yeah. of his his running style, I think he could um, be a useful addition. Um, uh, and then I thought later down, there's a couple of interesting ones for me. The guy from Pittsburgh, Israel. Yes. Now here we go. Um, Abinakanda. Uh, that's my best. Sort of um, go at that one, but yeah, yeah, I, I was, yeah, I'm very interested in him just in terms of his background and his physicality. I thought that he would be a you know, when I watched his tape, and it was only about the last week or so, and I was really impressed, really, really impressed. So, he would be one to keep an eye on. Um, 
and potentially the guy from Illinois, Chase Brown. That was the other one. And I suppose that they all fit the bill in terms of size. Um, the typical sort of six six two um, range that you're looking for in packer in packer running backs. But um, yeah, uh, I think I'll take one. Um, um, and one of those names wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Well, well, definitely going to be replaying that because you have the two of you lads have an unbelievable track record. Really, when it comes to sort of knowing. Uh, the thing now, look, fullback Pete. I don't want to disrespect your draft guides uh, by just breezing <laughs> past the fullback. I must have been. You must be sitting there and trying to ride it and go, "What am I doing?" Like, why? You know, that's when you start to really question the process. Peter, do we talk about fullback, or can I just move swiftly on to quarterback, well, who might be well, short? So, 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 so typically, over the last few years, the kind of fullback position, with the exception of one or two excellent ones, the guy at San Francisco. Um, for example, but typically the fullback position has kind of got lumped in with this kind of H-back tight end thing. Um, I split it out again this year because the guy from North Dakota State, Hunter Lipke, is more of a type of running fullback that we would have seen in the NFL a few years ago. Mm. And it's it's not beyond the realms of possibility that he could be a Packers pick late in the draft. Yeah. Right, because he can do it. He can he can run. He can block. You can see the Packers using him as an H back, as you know, as kind of the third or fourth tight end. So it's he's not beyond the realms of possibility as a Packers pick. Yeah, you have him in green, and again, as you said, round six yeah. to seven. So you wouldn't sort of put it past it. And lads, if we're really honest yeah. with ourselves, and we look at some of the picks that Goody's went for in the past, it kind of fits the bill when you look at it. You know, you're kind of. I don't know. Uh, there's still some experiments on the team. What can I say? Uh, let's get to quarterbacks. And it's very funny, right? And I know we can have a laugh every year about <laughs> getting a quarterback. But Pete, you raised a good point when they drafted Aaron Rodgers. You know, the, he wasn't sort of dead set to to be the guy. And they'd sort of had some sort of insurance, even if you want to refer to it as insurance. I don't know if that's accurate. Um, is that they drafted other quarterbacks. Um, in my mind, they have more of a license to do it over the next couple of years because A, if Jordan Love doesn't work out, but also he's not really in a position, Jordan Love, to get his nose put out of shape. He's not a back-to-back MVP who causes friction. Uh, He would welcome the competition in some degree, I would imagine, Um, albeit he's the sort of the de facto number one um, and we'd be silly to think otherwise. So, Peter, quarterback then... (laughs) It's a late round pick, isn't it? Is there anybody or is there any sort of realm? And I'm not saying this in a sort of a piss takey way, but is there anybody where you would say, look, it sounds weird. Uh, but if there's someone there in the first round, because both of you lads picked out Jordan Love and it was in a box on the draft guide, for God's sake. So using that same sort of foresight, is there anybody, Peter, that you would see, look, if he's there and it is best player available, let's go for a guy in the first or second round. I would imagine I'm prefacing by saying the answer is no, but... So, yeah, so, so yeah, I'll, for, for me, the answer is an emphatic no. And, and there's, a couple, there's a couple of reasons here, right? I think that once you've made the decision that Jordan Love is your guy, then I think the worst thing that you can do to him is bring a guy in that starts creating a quarterback controversy. Yeah. Right, that they can't do that. And unless... He's absolutely disastrous in 2023, which he won't be, right? He's the quarterback for the next two years, and the job is his for the next two years. If by the end of the 2024 season, you know, there are still a bunch of question marks, then we're in a different situation. But what they can't do is murky this water now. I think they have to say that Jordan Love is the guy. That's the guy that we're all getting behind, moving forward behind. 
I don't want any of this situation where if he throws a bad ball, the crowd gets on his back and starts calling for the backup and all of that nonsense. We can't have that. You've got to get behind this guy and try and move forward with him. Right. So there's that. The other thing for me is that um, Mark Murphy is only going to be the Packers CEO through the 2024 season. But so he has to retire, doesn't he, when he when he reaches 70, which is in 2025. Mm. And, and Mark Murphy and Gucci are quite tied together, I think, in, um, you know, in that Mark Murphy appointed him and, and, and all of that stuff. And, and they seem to work well together and they seem to be quite close. And, and I think that that closeness could disappear whenever the new CEO comes in, just by its nature. You know, it's somebody it's somebody different. And therefore, I believe that Gucci has got to have a winning team by 2024, else I think um, you know, the new CEO may go in a different direction. And and therefore, I don't think that they can spend a pick at, in this draft developing another guy. So say an Anthony Richardson of Florida, who's the kind of big developmental quarterback in this draft. If he was to somewhere, somehow fall to 15, which he won't, but if he did, that's not a guy that you would want to be drafting if you want to win quickly, mm. right? Because he's going to sit for a year or more, right? The guy's only played 13 games in college, for goodness sake, right? So I just think that at the quarterback position, the Packers are set, and I don't think that they can afford to be taking um, developmental picks at pick 15 or, 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 in, or in round two. Um, so that's a long answer to a short question, Steve. So, but I think that uh, it's about as long I, as my I, I question. Just to be honest. I just don't. I just don't think they can go down that. I can go. They can go down that. Now, if the team were in a different position, if this were a team that was, you know, three and fourteen last year, and they, they still had the same quarterback, you know, they'd say so, so it was Jordan Love, and he'd played a couple of years, and he wasn't so great. That would be different. Yeah. Right. But there. But I think. They're not quite in have to win now mode, but they're certainly in have to win in the next two years mode because of the the Gooty Mark Murphy situation for me anyway. Um, yeah. Because you know the new CEO, whoever he happens to be, is going to have his own ideas about the direction he wants to go, and it's a lot easier to stick with what you've got when it's winning. Um, if they haven't won for two or three years, then so so I think from a general manager's point of view, you're almost in. I've got to get the best players now because I need to win as quickly as as quickly as possible. Fantastic argument, Andy. You see something similar, I would imagine. And is there anybody that sort of stands out? Because the name I see bandied around, and again, it's not going to happen because I see Peach Havendon as sort of a, a second or third rounder. Is Hendon Hooker is seen as that guy with sort of a potentially massive upside? But Andy, it's a compelling argument, isn't it? No, Peter nails it. Absolutely nails it. Um, it's not going to happen in rounds one, two, or three, which is where I think Hooker will probably go, will he? Um, yeah. So I didn't even look at the top yeah. sort of seven or eight guys. I just thought it was pointless, to be honest. Um, I think it was more about guys at the bottom of the sixth and the seventh um, who will be looking at. And, and um, yeah, I picked out two or three that there would be potential projects more than anything. But that was that was where I was at. Order of precedence would be Tyson Bagent from Shepherd. He was my number one. Um, Clayton Tune, the guy from Houston, yeah. Um, 
it would be a bit of a project, but was my number two. And then the guy from Purdue O'Connell was my number three. I'd be surprised if it came from anyone out of those three, to be honest, but they'll be my three in order of preference. Um, and then just to go back to 2017, Steve, and give you some praise, because I know you sort of <laughs> understate your draft contributions sometimes. But if you remember the 2017 draft, you picked out the number one pick, Kevin King, you if go. you remember. Yeah. Yeah, you, you you did. How successful that was, we can argue about that. You did pick out the other king. Uh, um, I did isolate Josh Jones, uh, and then if you remember, I think Ryan isolated Vince Beagle, yeah. the, the the linebacker. I, who I came think in we shellacked him over that too, because it was just because it was a Badgers yeah. pick. But it Badgers pick. That's but it but it did pick out. And then I picked out obviously Jamal Williams, Aaron Jones, and I was more high on Devante Mays. It was a seventh round pick um, <laughs> because they, yeah, yeah. And then they had Sonny Michelle, didn't they? That's that was him. the guy that was, yeah. And they just picked him up, and I said they would release when they released him the very next day, yeah. <laughs> along with the other running back. And yeah, they took the three. They went with the three rookies, didn't they? No, that was the story. That's what it so, was. Yeah. Is that not only did you pick yeah. who they were going to pick, you picked who they were going to yes. keep, and we were like, that, Andy, that makes yes. no sense. Nobody else is saying this, Andy. I've read. <laughs> 700 articles and that's absolute balls and it's exactly what they did it was the, exactly what it they was did. the next day yeah. yeah so that was it so yeah so 2017 was a, a mixed bag um, this year's quarterback crop is much the same and I think it'll be a late round pick yeah yeah and just as so, to get away from it because we're, we're not going to get into how many you and Peter have picked out because we're here all day but Cooper Cup was another one that I saw a tape on and I was like, oh my God, he just, it was one of those guys, and they've said it about actors. My brother saw Mel Gibson step out of a hotel in Dublin, right? And he looked at him and said, Jesus, and he was stopped in his tracks because he just looked at him and said, star power. I don't know what it is, but it's oozing from him. Now, there's other stuff that was oozing from Mel Gibson as well. Uh, the less talked about him, the better. But anyway, Pete, sorry to cut across you, but I'll hang my hat at Cooper <laughs> Cup, picking him out as being someone great, uh, and then I'll forever sort of rest my case. Now, Peter, go on, say something sensible after all that nonsense. <laughs> No, no, that's fine. You know, just I was just I was just bringing us back to the quarterbacks. Actually, I so 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 you know, you're absolutely right. The, the top the top five are kind of absolutely set with you know uh, Bryce Young and and C.J. Stroud and Andy Richardson and Will Levis and then Hendon Hooker as the fifth guy. And it's not beyond the possibility realms of possibility that Hooker goes in in the first round. You know mm. that that there's a team towards the bottom end of the first round that that takes him. The thing that's holding him back is the ACL injury that he had during last season, which means he probably isn't going to play for at least half of this coming season. Um, but none of those guys are in play for the Packers. And, and, and the, a couple of names there, um, you know, Andy picked out Tyson Bajan of, of Shepherd. Um, so that's Division Three college, so small in terms of football stature. Yeah. Um, but that guy's thrown more touchdown passes in NCAA football than any other player in NCAA football history. That's incredible. So, so, so he knows how to throw the football, yeah. that, that guy. Um, and Andy also picked up Clayton Toon, who's my favourite kind of quarterback towards the back end of the of the draft. I'm kind of biased towards those Houston quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but Houston actually has a has a record of bringing out decent, you know, Andre Ware, David Klingler, Jimmy Klingler, Case Keenum. There's whole bunches of guys that came out of Houston. And and Clayton Tunes a a nice quarterback. Doesn't have a strong, strong, strong arm, but it's good enough arm and he's mobile. So he'll he'll throw for a lot of yards, but he'll take off and run as well and he can move around in the pocket and make and make plays. You know, he's a four year player. And I think he just fits the Packers bill for a backup quarterback 
towards the late, you know, the late rounds of the draft who will come in and do a good, uh, do a good job for you. So yeah, I like Clayton Toon a lot. Yeah, and I mean, not to get off topic, uh, but again, when you get three lads who love the Packers in a room, it's hard not to just sort of sit back and reminisce. Uh, but like when, <laughs> when we look at this uh, quarterback situation, it's interesting, lads, isn't it? Because obviously the Packers need to go down the route of getting a veteran to sit behind Jordan Love also. And not unless it's Aaron Rodgers having a really bad day. Um, you know, they're going to need to bring in a veteran. So it'd be interesting to see how many quarterbacks they'll keep on the active roster. Would anybody be willing to sort of take a punt at how many they're going to have? And are any of those players known to the Packers? Or do you think they'll go with a sort of a well-known veteran, sign him and then go for a guy in a later round and he makes the roster just by default almost? To, to, to bring your two points together, I'd be, I'm, a, I'm totally against it. Mm. I have no excitement around it. Any vets coming in, and I know, I know the reasons why, and I understand mm. that because of all that. But you, but Pete hit on it earlier on. Once Jordan Love starts playing, what we don't need is the first indication of, of, of a, you know, two interceptions or a fumble or whatever, and the crowd start calling for the, the off-paid vet to come in and steady the ship. I don't, I don't want that. This is his platform now. This is his team. Let him run it. If you want to bring in a rookie, just like Peter described there, you know, if Clayton Tune could take us to a win or two in the event of an injury, then then absolutely fine. Yeah. Listen, he's going to be Green Bay Packers quarterback. He can't miss a game. You know, we don't allow that. Do <laughs> so um, I don't know why we bring in a vet because we just don't, you know, they, they don't sit games, do they? So I, 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 they will bring one in. I know they will, but I, I personally am against it. I would rather they take um, a rookie project that we can, you know, you know, let the quarterback gurus do their stuff and, and bring them through and let Jordan Love own this team. That's where I'm at. I'm 110% in that place. And I, and I think if we go back, you know, picking up on your point about history, Steve, and we go back to the kind of, you know, the 92 Packers, where the turnaround started, you know, and that a Holmgren tied to Favre, you know, and a Holmgren saying, look, Brett Favre's my guy. However good or bad he is, we're tied together. You know, and, and, and we can go to the heights or we can go to the dumpster, but wherever it is, we're going together. And I think that's the situation we're in now. You know, and that team, you know, in the next couple of years, drafted Mark Brunel and Ty Detmer and later on Aaron Brooks. And and, and those guys were traded for draft picks later on. Give them all away. Yeah. 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 You know, and, and so, you know, if you get a guy later in the draft, middle to late end of the draft that you start to develop, but your quarterback is fantastic. Then you look about trading that guy away for 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 picks later on, and I, I think that's a win-win. I just don't. I'm with Andy. I just don't want a veteran guy. They, they will go that route, just because that's the kind of convention almost. Mm. But I, I I I don't want to go that route. Yeah, no, look, lads, really, I'm so enjoying this. Um, and we've been going on for a long time and we're only at offensive linemen. I, to to let people in on the on the secret, we we're going to lash into the defense as well and start talking about it. But to be honest, I'm having too much fun in the offense here. Uh, but look, I, look, I get, I get it as well, you know, and exactly stated. But like you said, look, <laughs> I'm going to get on a rabbit hole again because I'm allowed to be the silly one on this podcast full of legends, right? Is that I still think they should have a quarterback in and put him in in meaningful game time. Now, I can hear Bodie's right. If you can hear eyes being rolled, I'm hearing them. But I think that you should be able to bring in a quarterback in active game time. Yes, it throws off the rhythm and no it's not done and doesn't make sense but I, I guess the conventional method as well as bring in the veteran because if it all goes sideways from an injury standpoint that the veteran comes in but to be honest with you lads I mean how many times can we count on one hand where a veteran has come in 
as long as his name's not Ryan Fitzpatrick and actually done well. It's kind of still more of a stopgap. So whether it's a rookie like Brock Purdy, who was Mr. Irrelevant, or a veteran, it's probably going to end up the same way. You just hit on the person I was going to mention as an example of what we're talking about, really. Brock Purdy. Who knew of Brock Purdy before, you know, the end of last season? Nobody is the answer. And, And I think that's just an example that in the right system with the right coaching and the right players around him, you know, quarterback is a position that people can play, <laughs> but you but you need all of those pieces in place and it's far more important. You know, we've we've gone through seasons where we've had um substandard QB play. I think that was it what going back sort of five years when the season just imploded, didn't it? Yeah. You know, when we brought in people because we just didn't have the supporting cast to carry off, you know, substandard quarterback play. So for me it's uh yeah we we have other priorities for me and use the later round pricks to bring in a developmental project. Yeah, and you know, and 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 there's loads of examples of the the op- of, of what Andy's just described. So the opposite of the veteran. I mean, look at New England last year. Um, um, Bailey Zappi, who who played at you know Houston Baptist and, and Western Kentucky, was a late middle late round draft pick. Nearly beat the Packers. Yeah. To, yeah. For, yeah. In his first in his first game time, you know they went to overtime in that in 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 that game. And Brock Purdy, as Andy says, so I. I I think it's, I hate to use the word easier, but I can't off the top of my head think it's easier for a young quarterback to come in and play early now than it was 10 or 15 years ago. And I think people have to move on a little bit from the, you have to do this with this guy and this guy has to sit and and whatever else. There are occasions where that has to happen, but, but certainly, you know, in the instances where you've got guys that have played a lot in college, um, you know, four or five year starters in, in 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 college, they can absolutely come in and do a job early in the NFL. And as a fan, it's more intriguing and exciting to see a a rookie, untested, unproven prospect come off the bench and do their thing as to to have some tasty vet that's been sat there on the bench for twelve years doing the rounds and has had sixteen previous ball clubs. That doesn't <laughs> it doesn't do anything for me at all. It just doesn't. You know, when I Peter alluded to the likes of. Um, Brunel and Detmer and all these people, Aaron Brooks that we that we matured and nurtured and you know and then sold them on for for more draft capital than what we invested in them. So that for me is the is the way forward. Um, it should be the, the the blueprint for success for me. And look, arguably, I would say is that in Green Bay Packers history with Aaron Rodgers, for instance, the reliance on Rodgers to work magic or we go bust, it was still prevalent, right? Because we saw him get injured the thumb and the rib. And then all of a sudden we're pants. Um, And I just think that the dependency in Green Bay for too long has been rely on your Ferrari to drive fast. Like Red Bull Formula One. You know, you need a fast car. Once you have a fast car, that's most of the battle. You can seemingly stick anybody in the fast car. As long as your fast car is there. And the fast car has always been Aaron Rodgers. And I think that it's it's like when Calvin Johnson, Megatron, left uh, Detroit and Stafford went on to spread the ball around a bit more. Sometimes it seems like a curse at the time, but maybe it's a blessing, lads, that now I'll come back and eat my own hat now in my own words. But I'm not saying it's a good thing he's gone, but it's the over-dependence, Peter, is a bad thing. Yeah, and I always, you know, in a slightly different way, I always use the Sterling Sharp example of that. You know, when, when, when you know, in in the early 1990s, the Packers didn't have anybody else that could catch the ball. There was a year, there was a year there where Sterling Sharp caught 100 and plus passes, and the next wide receiver caught 17. Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and in today, in today's money, that's 200 passes. That's two, that's, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. It absolutely is. Inflation. And yes. and 
and you know Sharp should be a Hall of Fame player, and we absolutely, you know, it's our generation, Andy. We absolutely love Sterling Sharp and what he did for the Packers, and we all thought it was going to be the end of the world when when Sharp had his neck injury, and who on earth is going to play wide receiver? But exactly what you just described happened, Steve. Robert Brooks stepped up. They drafted Antonio Freeman. As Andy said earlier, Mark Shimura came along. They um, they traded for Keith Jackson. And all, and all of a sudden, the 100-plus passes that Sterling Sharp was catches are spread around those guys. So it absolutely can, you know, it can be a strange blessing. But not, not, but not one that you want. No. I don't know. I, I, I totally agree. Peter Hughes is a great um, example there, isn't it? And my excitement level going into last season with Rodgers and the supporting cast that he had was was a, on a scale of one to ten, about a two. I expected nothing and we delivered nothing. My excitement level for a Jordan Love season is around a nine. And, and do I think we've got the Super Bowl right now? Probably not. But I'm excited to see what he can do. You know, I'm excited to see that the fact that he can be bothered his ass to get into minicamp this week. <laughs> I'm excited to see that he can, you know, he can lead a team of people and communicate on all levels. I'm excited for a multitude of reasons. And that's that's good as a fan, isn't it? So... Yeah, and uh, am I the only one who, when he hears the name Keith Jackson, thinks of uh, Brett Favre talking about <laughs> keeping the flapjacks for the Crimson Tide? No, is that just me? Keith? No, he was. Uh, yeah, I loved watching him play. I just thought he was a uh, the the tight end play the four touchdowns in Tampa Bay or live long in the yeah. memory. Stay hungry for the Crimson Tide. It's, I must get that. Uh, I must get that soundbite and lay it over. He can Super. do far better than me. Well, look, we've ambled our way. Um, it's we're well over the hour, but um, hopefully people are still with us. No doubt they are after enjoying it as much as we are. But let's talk interior offensive lineman. Uh, Pete, always the sexy positions. The O lineman. The Packers absolutely love a bit of O lineman action. Um. Now, again, the talking, but the buzzwords that we're supposed to say when it comes to the offensive lineman is, is that Jordan Love's very important. And David Bakhtiar is referring to the team as they and not we, which is a massive body language. Uh, no, no. Um, and then, you know, we want to keep Jordan Love uh, off his arse. So when it comes to interior offensive linemen, uh, how are the Packers shaped in this draft uh, for this piece? And is the premium set on the O-line? Uh, because... Let me just preface by saying this. We all know, Pete, don't we, uh, before you even say it, is that the Packers look for this Swiss Army knife lineman that can go up and down the line. What are you seeing in this draft? So the, the Packers are, are, are reasonably well set on the interior, right, with Elton Jenkins, Pro Bowl player, Josh Myers and or Zach Tom at, at centre, because I've long believed that centre is Zach Tom's best, best position. John Runyon. So we've named four guys there for the three spots that, that that they've got on 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 the interior. So I don't foresee the Packers going out and drafting a specific interior offensive lineman early, i.e. a centre or a guard early. Yeah. Right. But they will go down the route, as you've described. I, I believe they will of of getting that Swiss Army knife type of guy in the middle to later rounds, like like they did with Zach Zach Tom because you can't have enough of those guys that can play in multiple spots. And then we haven't got to offensive tackles yet, but I think that we'll come back to the offensive tackles at the top of the draft. But but at the late end of the draft, again, they'll be looking at offensive tackles like John Runyon was in college that can move inside to the interior, into the, into the guard spot. 
So you know, I, I don't see the Packers going interior offensive line lineman early. You know, there's no Elton Jenkins type player for me that they're likely to pick there. And it's, and partly because they're pretty solid there. The guy that I like in kind of the middle-ish rounds is, is your Swiss Army Knife type guy, Nick Saldaveri, another guy out of Old Dominion who's played right tackle, has played some guard and worked out at centre at the senior bowl. Um, so that's the guy for me, just because he gives you all of that flexibility that you talked about. Mm. Andy, when you talk about O-linemen, and I guess, look, we, we'll throw in the, the tackles as well. Is David Bakhtiari's comments a concern? Is it all complete media tosh? And when you look at, you know, be it interior or tackle spot, uh, who tickles your fancy? That that Creed Humphrey looks a good centre. Don't Peter. mention be, it. Uh, no, he's going to be rocking back and forward in a cold shower now, Andy. Uh, I'd be. Uh, you never mentioned Josh Myers in um, in in passing there, did you? So um, I was interested in that one. Um, yeah, I don't know what are the chances of getting two players from Old Dominion in one draft. Uh, Put it down the bingo card. Yeah. He, well, he he fits all the parameters the Packers look for doesn't he Peter in terms yeah. of his measurables and like you say he's, um, he is a bit of a Swiss army knife he's got a you know I think he was over nine on the RAS score wasn't he so um, I, I thought they were a bit of a motley crew if I'm honest um, we've drafted that many offensive linemen in the last four years do we do we need any more um, pick some obscure Midwestern college and just pick a player I suppose um, I, I don't know I, I had a couple i think if they don't go early with the likes of darnell Wright, who's specifically a right tackle then i just i don't see it happening i think pete was right with uh saldiveri um i also the who is the guy the, the luke whipler from ohio state pete can he play multiple positions or not is he strictly a center well, he's, he's played he's played pretty much center his entire career but you would yeah. guess that he could you know he could kick out to guard right um but yeah, okay. yeah, I mean, you know, I. So the other guy I was on there, and again, it's um, just looking at multiple positions. It'd be a later round pick. Would be the guy from Arkansas, Ricky Stromberg. Um, I thought that he was a bit of a scrapper. Um, reminded me of like an Adam Adam Timmerman type yep. player. Uh, and the one that's probably been more publicised is the guy from um, is Cody. Is it Mosh? Is it they pronounce yeah, it? Co- yeah, Cody Mock. Yeah. Yeah. So North, um, North Dakota State. And maybe his one more name to throw out there was the guy from Oklahoma, Anton Harrison. So there were my. I, I've I was less enamoured with this crop that I've been for a long time. Is my honest answer. So yeah, and, and, and yeah, and, and I think and I think when you look at like a Cody, a Cody Mock of North Dakota State, who's um, played most of his college career at tackle, but can play guard as well. I could see them taking him in the second or third round. Um, I, I absolutely, I absolutely get that. I think it's just going to depend on what they think their need at tackle is. You know, we go back to the top of the draft, you know, and the name that keeps getting fired out there is Peter Skoronsky of Northwestern. I don't see it. I like uh, Berger on better than him. If I was going right. to take a punt at the top of the, <laughs> yeah. the draft, it would be the guy from Syracuse. Um, and I, and I, yeah, I, and I think that I think the thing with Skoronsky, right? I think there's a couple of things there, right? I think A, he's gone by the time the Packers pick anyway. Right? Yeah. But he's the grandson of Bob Skoronsky, you know, the great Packers tackle from the yeah. from the sixth. Yeah. I was gonna say, that, yeah. that automatically yeah. you know highlights him in, in Packers fans' eyes. I think the other thing with with him, for me at least, is I'm not sure that he's not better suited to guard rather than tackle. 
right? Yeah. Is 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 he's a solid all-round player without being dominant in any single part of the game. You wouldn't say he's a dominating pass blocker like Bakhtiari is. Um, and his arm his arm length is not what you would ideally want from a you know a left tackle in in particular. So yeah, I agree. For 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 me, I don't. I don't have a problem if they go tackle in the first in the first round at fifteen, um, because tackle you know it, it tends to be a solid a solid pick. You can you know I, I've always gone with this. You can never have enough of those guys. I like Broderick Jones from Georgia, but he's only started one year, so he's a little bit of a project, but kind of fits in that mid round mid first round pick. So again, it's another one of those positions for me. If they went tackle in the first round, I wouldn't be upset about it but it wouldn't be an exciting pick and it's probably not a guy that's going to help you today i'd groan i, I would i'm honest yeah, <laughs> I, I, I would yeah uh, yeah i would you be excited by any of those i, I, just... I no no I, no i would i wouldn't no that's that's my gut feel is that i'd be disappointed if we went o-line in the first round um i don't think it's a priority and i don't think there's a standard of player there to to warrant it, to be honest. Yeah, Skaronski is an interesting one. Um, as you say, highly touted, but again, there's that historical aspect as well. Um, I believe Adderley was another player that went recently that was, you know, when we hark back to Packers greats. I don't think, you know, unless there was a player that came through with the name of Favre, but I don't think that's possible. Uh, but look, when we look at the Packers picks in this draft, lads, um, you know, we have number 15, 45, 78, 116, 149, 170, 232, 235, 242, and 256. That's 10. Um, so now that we've got to the end of the offensive side, and next week we're going to get into the defensive side of it. Um, Peter, when we look at these picks, where do you think it's going to skew between offense and defense without getting into particular players, let's say? Do you have a prediction on are we defensive heavy, offensive heavy? My, my my guess is that it's offensive heavy, um, but, and and a lot of that's because I think that's partly where some of the strength of this of this draft is. We've talked about some some of the strong positions, you know. Without covering the defense, the normal positions are strong. At, you know, edge and corner are strong at defense, but I think the Packers have gone defense so much in the past. 10, 15 years, for good reason, I think, in lots of cases. Whether you know, you can argue whether it's always been the right player, but 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 you know, for good reason they've gone gone that route. But eventually, you have to start to retool and restock on the offensive side of the ball. And I think that now's the ideal time to do it because you would like the offense to grow up with Jordan Love, if you like. Yeah. So that as Jordan Love progresses, the wide receivers come through at the same time. So they've got the two rookies from last year, you get another one this year, and you start to build the, the offense together. Yeah. Andy, where's your head at? Yeah. It, with the current picks, minimum six offense. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. And then proportionally, if we get two extra picks, I think it'll be seven, which will give you, what, five defense max, four defense if we stay at 10 picks. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Numbers just. Don't allow anything else. I don't think. I just don't see any other way of it breaking down. So I'd be shocked if it's um, if it's true the other way. Um, I think they'll take premium positions on defense. I think they'll take a corner. I also think they'll pick a corner with a view to moving them to safety. Um, I think they'll take an edge rusher and a D line. So you're, that's that's your four. So um, 
yeah, 60 40 at the minute, and then it'll proportionally go up if they get extra picks. Yeah, and look, I'm going to wade into a bit of silly season because I think that every time the sort of draft results come in and people, you know, some people go to bed, they wake up and they look at the list. So if I go to bed and I wake up and I look at the list, Andy, what is one name that I would see on that list from your point of view that if I saw that name on offense, I'd go, that is a really good pick? What, what from all of the position groups, you mean? All of the position groups. Who's your kind of guilty pleasure player to say, look, because look, we've, we've seen the draft go from Jordan Love and then it sort of started to go off the rails that year, right? So if we look at the draft this time around, getting rid of any sort of trading up, trading down, if the Packers, out of all of those, say, six picks or whatever, that would be on offense, what one name on offense would you absolutely love to see on that list if you were to wake up in the morning? Mm. And it doesn't begin mm. with Bijan Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I, I want to see a receiver so he can we can fill the boots at wide receiver or tight end. If I was, I want to see two tight ends, so I'll take one of them. Mm. Um, it'd be the guy from Old Dominion, Zach Cunt. That would be the the one I'd like to see because I think it's something we can do in the middle of rounds. Yeah. So it's it's not a pipe dream. Peter, adding pipe dreams into the mix, what is the one name that if you looked at that list, you'd go, look, the rest of them might be experimental, there might be whatever, but that player right there, that he's he's the difference maker. I mean, for me, I, I can't get past Jackson Smith and Jigba, if I if I if I'm if I'm really honest. And and as we said earlier, you know, they they they're probably gonna have to trade up to get him, but we'll see how the draft board falls. Um but I but I just think that if you got him in the first round, it almost makes the rest of the draft look good, you know. It, it, yeah. It, uh, and I, and I just think that, you know, we've wanted a wide receiver for so long, but, but also a guy like Smith and Jigba that works the middle of the field, opens things up for for the likes of Christian Watson and what have you. I, I, I just played played in the cold weather at Ohio State. All of that stuff just just just, just says to me. That's 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 my guy, you know, and we might pick him, and he doesn't turn out to be as great as we want. That's that happens, yeah, you know, for whatever reason. But but I think on paper, that's that's the guy for me. Yeah, just like Andy said. I mean, if it if it looks like the Packers should draft him, they won't. But it's just I think for one year, <laughs> if you look at it and go, that's the guy we wanted. That's the guy we got. And whatever way it pans out, you can almost stand You're, over the decision at the time, can't you, Pete, and say they made it with the right intention. Yeah, and, and and to be honest with you, Steve, you have a job to make sure that Gooty listens to this before the draft. <laughs> Peter, I still have counselling around Justin Jefferson. I, it took me a year to get over Diego Samuel. I still, you know, still have weekly appointments to talk yeah. about the missed opportunities that we've had. So we can't, you know, I don't even, you know, my counsellors advise me that don't fall in love with the guy from Ohio State <laughs> oh, amazing I think, I think there was Debo Samuel highlights being shared between you and me Andy for a couple of years after it was just like Jesus Christ what are we looking at here but anyway look that's the offence yeah. that's an hour and 20 minutes um, and edited it's probably an hour and 40 somehow um, so we're going to come back next week and we're going to talk all about defence and then we're going to come back a couple of days after that and just give the final thoughts on the moves and the shakes and the guilty pleasures. And we're going to bring it right down at the silly season for that one just before, because we see how it all changes. But look, guys, really, really insightful stuff. At IT Hedgehog, uh, author of this absolutely mind-blowing uh, draft guide, 
brilliant to have you on as always, Pete. At Pooley Shrew on Twitter as well. Andy Davies, ex-professional footballer, uh, Packers draft guru, um, always hits the nail on the head. Two fantastic follows, and it's free. Would you believe you can follow you for free on Twitter? I don't know. Well, Elon Musk might have something to do with that in time. But, uh, for now, it's free. Uh, so look, follow the two guys, um, and I'm I'm going to throw you in there, lads, and say, look, fire your draft questions at these two guys because they're the absolute best in the business. But until next week, and we talk about defense, lads, Go Pack Go and cheers for coming on. Go Pack Go.